Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. Again, let me echo what Lindsay said. Happy Father's Day to all the dads in this room. And maybe you're not a father of a human being yet. You're, you have a dog. Happy Father's Day to you on behalf of the dog as well. I am not a human father yet, but I do have a dog. And someone asked me, hey, do you have children? I was like, well, I have a dog. They're like, well, that counts. Happy Father's Day to you. I wonder what kind of gift I'll be expecting when I get home. However, I am super excited that you made it out on Father's Day in the rain. Like, if anybody deserves one of these, it's everybody in this room, because that's a big deal, because South Florida is like Oz. When it rains, people melt, so I appreciate everybody being here. We are smack dab in the middle of week three of this series, talk, conversation, whatever you want to call it, called Greatest Hits, and I love this idea of Greatest Hits, because what we at Downtown Harbor Church kind of sit around and do every once in a while is we just go, what should we be communicating to our church? How should we help them process? or where are they at in their journey? And and one of the things that we said as we began this year and went into the summertime is that we wanted to go back and really taking a, and we wanted to take a look at some of the core principles of Christianity. Some of the famous, famous things that you probably have heard, even if you have no history with the local church, maybe you're disenfranchised with the local church, maybe you're back for the first time in a long time. Even if that's your story, it's more than likely that you've heard about some of these famous famous passages in the scripture before that we are going to unpack and we have been unpacking in the last two weeks and today is going to be no different. So two weeks ago, as John kicked off the series, he looked at the verse Philippians chapter four verses verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he took a look at this, at this verse and how it was so much more than a Pinterest meme or something that you would put in a frame in your house or maybe in your office, that this verse has context and when it was written that people were almost at the end of their rope and what that looked like as they were walking through their journey with Christ. And so if you missed week one, go back and listen to it. It is a really cool, exciting week. Week two, last week, we took a a look at the fruits of the Spirit, and I got to tell you, some of the dialogue, the conversation to come out of this, just the practicality of the message was so cool, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And on certain weeks in this series, we're going to look at an actual verse, a single verse. And then in other weeks, much like this week, we're going to look at, a, we're going to look at like a concept or a principle. And we're going to unpack multiple verses related to it. And I got to tell you, um, I got a chance to talk with some folks downstairs after the first service. And some folks just said, listen, this, more than anything that we've done in a long time, just hit me square between the eyes. That this, more than anything we've done in just a while, was so transformative and so revolutionary that it really actually just hit us kind of right between our eyes, right where we were at. And so what we were going to do this week is we were going to look at the idea of I for an I. We were going to look at the idea of eye for an eye. And so what we were going to do is we were going to actually take a look at this principle in the scripture that was so ancient and so um, distant, yet it was real. And what did this actually look like. And so as we talk about the principle eye for an eye, I just want you to know that we're going to actually take a look at multiple, many verses as it relates to eye for an eye, because the scripture specifically in the Old Testament talks about it a lot and talks about it a ton. Because what I just want you to know is this is such a key thing for understanding how business was transacted in the Old Testament. In fact, take a look at this. This is so key because here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine. 
I want you to imagine something for a second. And I want you to actually stop and think about something. So we're all going to kind of clear our minds. And Andrew and Scott, just so you know, I can't see anything down here. So I just want you guys to know in the booth that. So but here's what I want you to do is we just stop there. I want you guys to stop and imagine something. And so one of the things I love about life and I love is that we all kind of have imaginations and we all have this ability to think about or imagine things that have happened. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine something. And I want you to imagine a time in your life that you were the most wronged. I'll stop for a second. Because this is going to be difficult and emotional for some of us. This is going to be hard for some of us. This is going to be painful for some of us. And, and, and maybe you were even the perpetrator, right? Maybe it will bring up things that you've done that you, that you wronged someone else. But more than likely, it will be a time when we were most wrong. Stop for a second. Think about a time when you were most wronged. Now, if you're like me, anger starts to swell up. Vengeance starts to swell up. And we're just like, man, I, I, I was so taken advantage of. I was so lied about. I was so brutally um, misunderstood by someone and someone's actions that I, I, I feel like I need to make this right. And so the good news is if we look at the idea of eye for an eye, the Old Testament law, thousands of years ago, this is what the scripture used to say about when you were wrong. Check this out in the book of Exodus chapter 21, verses 23 and 24. But if there is serious injury, don't miss this. And this is kind of, uh, you know, metaphoric for everything, right? But if there is serious industry, in injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, Hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Going, man, this is brutal. Meaning, hey, you, you, you take my hand, I can take your hand. You take my life, I can take your life, right? You actually go down that road, I can do whatever you've done to me back to you. Revenge is kind of raging, I can get even. And I talked to you that... Uh, when I started this, that this was a concept today that we weren't going to actually just look at one verse because eye for an eye is actually mentioned many times in the Old Testament. This was a law that was prevalent, right? Here's what it says in the book of Leviticus. It goes on. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. I love that they're talking like tooth for tooth, right? Because I'm not sure how prevalent dental was, like dental insurance, like back in ancient Jewish times, right? So, I mean, it's like, man, you knock a tooth out, that's it. So, I mean, you'd be walking around forever with like, you know, a couple of missing chompers. And it's one of the, I'm passionate about dental, right? If you, I, I don't know why I'm passionate about dental, but I am. It's just one of those things. I love the dentist. Do you like, I, I, I'm just one of those guys who likes going to the dentist. My phone actually goes away for 45 minutes while I get a cleaning. Anyway, here is the point, right? It's this idea that with an eye for an eye law, here's the point. In whatever way someone wronged you, you could wrong them. Someone calls the cops on you, you call the cops on them. Someone punches you in the face, you punch them in the face. Someone does something bad to you or your family, you go do something bad back to them. Here's the truth. This law was in place. This law was real. 
A lot of times we hear it and we go, man, that was an ugly time. Here's what I want you to know, because at Downtown Harbor Church, we pride ourselves on doing the proper amount of research, the proper amount of kind of a deep dive into a topic before we present it. And here's just what I want you to know. This law, as ugly as it seems, was real, and it wasn't generally followed by everyday people, but it could have been. So wait a second, the Old Testament people, thousands of years even before Jesus, didn't necessarily follow this law. Why did it exist? Why was it there? Um, Because they could have followed the law. The law existed all these thousands of years ago for a very specific purpose, history teaches us. This law existed to make justice visible. So that should this law be followed through with, that justice would be visible. Basically saying, you can't do that, and if you do, look at what might happen to you. It actually existed also so the strong might not injure the weak. Even though those thousands of years ago, it wasn't a law that was generally followed through on, it was there, this is so interesting, the history on this, it was there as a guide, right, a guide for lawgivers and judges. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Stay with me, because there's a lot of time jumping here and time travel here, so just stay with me. This law was given in the Old Testament, right? This law was given in the Old Testament. It was a law that was given thousands of years before Jesus, who claimed to be the Messiah, who claimed to be the Savior of the world and the universe, even walked the earth. It was given in the Old Testament, but not generally followed. But the law remained true for thousands and thousands of years. And interestingly enough, the law was given in the Old Testament, but it was used in the New Testament. Now, if you're new to the church and you don't know what Old Testament and New Testament are, let me talk to you about them. They're basically the two portions of the Bible that exist. Old Testament is all of the ancient Jewish history, and the New Testament is kind of from the life of Jesus onward. It's interesting enough that this old law was introduced in the Old Testament, not generally followed, and then actually used in the New Testament. So if you're like me, I'm sitting around going, man, Jesus walking the earth, love, restoration, redemption. Who was using this law in the New Testament? What in the world was going on? Well, let me tell you who was using this law in the New Testament. The Pharisees were using this law in the New Testament. Maybe you have never heard of the Pharisees. Let me tell you who these people are. They were the ancient Jewish leadership scholarly class of the time who wanted to follow the law more than anything that they could do. And the eye for an eye law was no different. They wanted to put it into practice because they were by the book. They were trying to follow the law over, over, over and over again. The Pharisees took this principle and applied it to everyday relationships. In fact, don't miss this, they actually held the belief. They thought this, they lived this, they did this. They thought that because of this law, seeking revenge was acceptable, right? So you have thousands of years before this, the law is written, Jesus is walking the earth. These people who are the religious leaders of the time are walking alongside him on the earth, and they're using the eye for an eye principle. Basically, this idea is someone punched you, punch them back, right? Someone came after you, 
you punch them back. That's pretty much human instinct in reaction anyway, isn't it, right? Someone punches you, you punch them back. Someone insults you, right? I love this one. Someone insulted you, insult them back. Let me know how this goes at home in your marriage. This would be an interesting, you know, a thing for us to look at. I love when, like, we hear about this and somebody insults somebody and the other person throws one back at them. Man, is it just going to be a rough day at your house? Have you ever been there? It's just, that that doesn't work, but someone insults you, insult them back. This was the way they operated. Someone murders you, you murder them back. Hold on a second, that one doesn't work. Didn't I say to take that one out after the first service? Anyway, regardless, uh, no, it it, it doesn't work. I I don't know how that works, but technically, you could do this. And here's what I want you to know. It's something that Jesus knew, and we're going to hear about in a second. This kind of thought This kind of idea, this kind of law, this kind of behavior helped no one. Think about it. Who did this help? Going back at somebody, insulting someone back, even taking revenge in the form of taking someone's life. Who did that help? The answer is no one. But the great news is, as these Pharisees were implementing this law here on earth, the Messiah, the Savior to a broken world, the only man who claimed to be the Messiah, predicted his own death and resurrection, died and then rose again three days later to confirm that he was who he said that he was. Jesus was here on the earth, walking the earth, living, doing his ministry as these laws were being enacted by the Pharisees. And I love this so much because... Jesus addressed this exact law, and he addressed it in his most famous message of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, some of you may have heard of the Sermon on the Mount, but maybe you haven't, right? If you're interested more in the Sermon on the Mount, you want to dig deep more into it, we did an eight-week series like a couple of years ago called Revolutionary. It's on our website. If you want to go back there and you're bored, you're driving, you go, man, I want to check, check out more about that. It's awesome. Check that out. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually uh, talked about a myriad of topics. It was probably his most famous message. You want to talk about greatest hits, right? Is that not the cheesiest Christian thing you've ever heard from this stage right here? I love this. I said, we got to keep this in the message because how cheesy is this? But in this context where Jesus was talking about and about to unpack eye for an eye, he hit a number of topics. He was almost going bada bing, bada boom. He was queuing them up. Jesus talked about murder. He talked about what murder actually was. And then Jesus talked about adultery and how important adultery was to understand and unpack. And then Jesus talked about oaths and what it meant to keep our word and what that looked like. He talked about murder, adultery, and oaths. And then he got to the idea of eye for an eye. And you know what I love about Jesus and what I love about what he did was Jesus on this earth did something. He always did something. He always challenged the religious system. He always looked at the religious system that existed and said, hold on, wait a second, boys. Hold on, wait a second. Have we thought about this? Have we talked about this? Jesus always challenged the religious system. And as he saw injustice, as he saw eye for an eye taking place, he started to talk about what that actually meant. He addressed it word for word. And so if you have a scripture, a Bible with you, you want to open it up, you can do that. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. If you don't, that's totally cool. As always, it will be on our screen. But here's what Jesus said. It's so key. Don't miss this. Don't miss anything. It's so key. You've heard that it was said, 
eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. Dental, important. Jesus is talking about it, right? Okay. You've heard that it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Jesus, what are, you, what are you talking about? What do you mean do not resist an evil person? He goes on. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone goes on wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Really? If someone wants to sue you and they want, my, they want everything, give them Give him everything you got. Give him more. Jesus, is that what you're saying? He goes on. If anyone forces you to go one mile with them, go two miles. Let me give you the context for what this means. Because ancient Jewish people were under occupation of Rome and Roman soldiers, right, during the time that the scripture was written. And it was said that Jewish people would actually have to carry a Roman soldier's gear if requested. And they would actually have to carry it for one mile. And it could be upwards of 40 pounds, 50 pounds. We don't know how much it could be. But here's what I just want you to know. What Jesus said was, if you go one mile and they ask you to go one mile with them, go two go more go farther don't just do what they ask you to do go more and then jesus says give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you and then what i love as he addresses eye for an eye as he makes a final point he kind of brings it all to a close and it's so key and if you hear nothing else in this room today hear this because this is so important and so key and so crucial to his entire ministry Almost unpacking and undoing eye for an eye, flipping it, on its, flipping it on its head. And here's what it says. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, pray, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. What would happen if we actually began to do that? Because the truth is, we're human beings. Every person in this room has been wronged. That's why when we started this message, I wanted you to go back and I wanted you to imagine a time when you've been most wrong. When someone has wronged you in a way that is almost unforgivable. And then, what happens to you? What happens to your heart? What happens to your mind when those emotions begin to well up? We get angry, a lot of us do. And many of us, if you're like me, we want revenge. We want to get even. You hurt me. You wronged me. You hurt people that I care about. I'm going to take vengeance upon you. Revenge is easy. You know, Shakespeare, you want to know what he said about revenge? Revenge is a dish best served cold because revenge is so easy. Doing what Jesus called us to do, praying for those who persecute you, loving your enemies. Oh, that is hard because this revenge is easy. You hurt me, I hurt you. That's simple. It's black and white. I want to get even with you. You, I won't even say it. I was going to say something. I realized I was on stage and online at the same time. Okay, here's it, right? Jesus in this moment is doing something. I don't know if Jesus actually means, because he's not here for me to ask the question to him. I don't know if he actually means, hey, if someone's trying to sue you, give him everything. I don't know if he actually means that. I don't know if he actually means, what does he mean when he's turned the other cheek? We can debate that all day, but here's what I do know based on what he said. And this is so crucial to everything that he said. 
everything that was so crucial to his ministry. This is what Jesus said to all of the people who would follow after him. Here's what he would say. Jesus calls his followers to a higher standard of living. And he said, eye for an eye. That's old school. That's just revenge. That's getting even. And you know who that has helped over the course of time? No one. Nobody. So I am going to say to people who would follow after me, it's time for a different way. It's time for a new way. So I want to ask you something. And this is going to cut right to the core of a lot of our hearts. It cut right to the core of my heart when I wrote it. And I started to think about human beings and what lives deep within us that almost wants us to experience this. But it's a, it's a question that I think summarizes what Jesus was trying to say in this crucial, crucial message of what it looks like to unpack eye for an eye. I just believe this is so key. So pay attention to this question. It's so important, right? Why would you want someone to experience the same pain that you did? Why would you want that? especially if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, you know that that is not what you would want. Don't, get, don't, don't miss this, gang. This is not saying that anyone in this room needs to be a doormat. This is not saying that anybody in this room just needs to let anybody back in who has hurt them and wronged them and treated them in unthinkable ways. But this does mean, even if you've been wronged massively or you've been hurt in a way that has taken you years to recover from and you've been in therapy and counseling and had, had broken relationships because of it, even if that's you, here's the question. Why would you want someone else to experience that pain? What does that say about us? And the truth is, is that's most of humanity, most of human beings, we would think that way. And I know why people get on board with eye for an eye. It's easy. Eye for an eye is justice. It's visible justice. Eye for an eye is actually seeing something that needed to be done, should have been done, legally could have been done, happen, and it's visually right in front of your face. Here's just what I want you to know. Eye for an eye is justice, and justice is what you deserve. It is. But mercy is what you don't deserve. And the truth is the difference between eye for an eye, because if eye for an eye is justice... And Jesus is mercy. Jesus came to bring mercy. Justice is what you deserve. Mercy is what you don't deserve. And for the love of everything holy, Jesus came to this earth so that each one of us, should we say yes to him, could be made right with God right where we are at, even experiencing something that we don't deserve. Justice is easy. Revenge is easy. It's visually there. I see it. I can do it. I'm going to execute it. Mercy's hard. Love is hard. Forgiveness is hard. Restoration is hard. And Jesus has given it to each one of us. And I just believe one of the core crucial cruxes of his ministry was this idea that he has saved us. And now what we are to do is to turn around and show that love and grace and restoration and redemption to other people. Jesus said that that is actually the way that we as followers of his show love to God the Father when we figure out what it means to love others as ourselves. An eye for an eye, seeking vengeful revenge, falls right into that. It's no different. So what's the practical? 
at downtown Harbor Church, every single week we put this word on the screen and hope that you would come into DHC or listen online to DHC and that you would actually hear a message on a Sunday and then put it into practice on a Monday. That you would get something practical that you would be able to put into practice right where you're at. These practicals are powerful, so get ready. Um, they're simple, but they're so key. And I just believe that somewhere along the way, God brought you today right to this room to be able to hear this right where you're at. So get ready. The first practical is this. It's time to rethink revenge. There's a lot of you out there, myself included, who are just going, man, I am here because someone has wronged me and oh boy, I'm going to get them. I'm going to take it out on that. They're, they will get theirs, Right? Here's what I just always say to people. Maybe you should focus on loving them and make revenge God's job. Because if they're supposed to get it, they're going to get it. And I just want all of us to understand that when you have a revenge-filled heart, that when someone has wronged you and you want to go back at them with revenge, no one wins. Everyone loses. They, you, they lose. You lose. Your kids lose. Your family loses. Everyone loses. Nobody wins. You got to rethink revenge. Maybe what we should do is actually listen to the words of Jesus and love our enemies in a way that is so hard and so supernatural that we may not even be able to get or understand and then pray for those who would persecute us or wrong us. Maybe that's what we need to do. You got to start by rethinking revenge. Secondly, maybe you need to go the extra mile. Maybe you need to rethink revenge then you need to go the extra mile. And I don't know what that looks like for you. But maybe, you know, it's one of those things that in life, you just need to go the extra mile for somebody. This can be really simple, can it? Or this can be really complicated. Maybe there's someone in your life who you just can't stand and they ask you to do stuff or tell you to do stuff. Maybe it's at work, right? You have a boss that you just, oh man, you, you, eye for an eye, you wish it still existed because you'd be walking around with an ax, right? It's, but, but here's just what I want you to know. Maybe it's time that you go the extra mile. Maybe it's time that you just go, I'm going to do what he or she asked me to do, and I'm going to do more than that. Maybe, maybe it's your spouse, right, who drives you crazy, and you're going, oh, man, you know what? I know he or she left for work and ran that dishwasher and did not unload it so that I would have to, right? Maybe that's the way that you're thinking, because anytime I see that dishwasher clean and my wife is left for a 13-hour day, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? But here's, here's one, maybe here's what you got to do. Maybe you got to go the extra mile. And maybe you got to step in front of somebody and actually unload it for a chance. And then when you go the extra mile, here's what I want you to do. I want you to not talk about it. Because you want to know what happens when someone needs to, when they go the extra mile, they need affirmation. They go, look at me. Look what I did this week. I put in some extra hours at work. Look what I did, honey. I unloaded the dishwasher. Look what I did, boss. I did extra work. How about this? Go the extra mile and shut up. What would that look like? Think about people and how our relationships would be if we actually did that. Go the extra mile. And then lastly, it's this. Don't put it up yet. Let me, let me just cue this up. This is big. Forgiveness is a key thing. And there's no doubt that when we imagine how we've been wronged in life, that forgiveness is a big part of that. 
We've said from this stage many times, if you've been around here for any length of time, you're watching online, or maybe you're brand new, we've said a lot on this stage that when you hold on to things, when you hold on to unforgiveness, things that you need to let go, there's really only one person who loses over the course of time, and that's you. And so forgiveness is so key, and some of us are holding on. Some of us are going, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to move on. I don't, I don't want to let that go. I'm too hurt. I'm too wronged. The last practical is this. Forgive someone who needs forgiveness. Make today your day. Make today that moment in the sand. Put that moment in the sand. Put your feet in the sand and pivot your life and go, you know what? I'm going to forgive. And this doesn't mean that someone needs to come trouncing back into your life or prancing back into your life and you let them do it all over again. That's not what this means. And God will work through each situation differently. But what it does mean is that you and your heart will finally say, many of us finally say, I forgive you for what you've done. Eye for an eye is no longer valid. Because if I wanted to, if I lived thousands of years ago, I could do this, but I'm not going to. I'm going to choose to live differently. And I forgive you. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe that's where your heart needs to be today. And furthermore, don't miss this, so key, maybe you need to tell them that you did it. It doesn't mean they need to come running back. It doesn't mean you're going to have Christmas dinner together. It doesn't mean that you're going to be all rainbows and unicorns dancing through life. But it does mean that you will let go in your own heart. And do you know what this all is balled up into? It's all balled up into Jesus' teachings based on our life. That we as followers of his are called to a different level. Jesus, in every turn around every corner teaches us to do the opposite of our human instinct. You know, gang, we live in an interesting time, don't we? We live in an interesting time where folks would try to follow after God and folks would try to be themselves and who they're meant to be. And we live in a, we live in a very interesting time, which is why I believe it's so cool for Downtown Harbor Church to exist, to be able to interact with and talk with people who are just wrestling with this right where they're at. I love DHC. But I just believe to the core of my being that our human instinct leads us down a bad path. It's very natural and it can be very bad because so often human instinct is filled with revenge and hate and vengeance and you wronged me, I'll wronged you in terms of the way that we think. And Jesus said, no, 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 change those thoughts, do the opposite, fill them with love and hope and forgiveness and restoration and redemption and don't forget about that. Do that over and over again. That's the opposite of the way that you are called to live. That is the opposite of the way that you are taught and it works and it matters love is at the center of it do it watch your life change if you do watch your life change for the people around you watch your community change watch just your close group of people change when this is the way that you operate jesus teaches us to do the exact opposite of our human instinct revenge no more eye for an eye gone love prayer forgiveness they're in. It's time to move. It's time to execute. Don't hold on to it. Let it go. It's time to go and do the things that he called us to do. Let me pray. Father, God, for who you are, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for people who are here. I truly believe to the core of my being that you had the exact right people in this room who needed to be here.
that you had the exact right people in this room who needed to hear this message who were working through something or working through an issue or have been working through an issue for a long time. God, I just pray your supernatural presence, spirit, blessing to move in their life. I pray that you would guide them, help them, and keep them as they seek after you and as they figure out what seeking revenge doesn't look like, even though it's natural. God, may you help each one of us act on a practical if we need to. Rethinking revenge, figuring out if we need to forgive someone, going that extra mile. Guide us as we do that, God, this week. Bless us as we seek you with all that we do, and we love you in Christ's name. Amen.